best not miss. Well, I'm a bunch of real proud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. Welcome to the Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. I am one of your hosts today, Michael Shields. Uh, welcome to the Party Pal as part of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to OsirisPod.com. Check out the vast array of eclectic and fascinating podcasts they have to offer. They've made a bunch of announcements recently. There's a whole slew of new ones coming your way. Uh, this fall, um, and always, they just keep cranking it out. So that's at OsirisPod.com. Um, I'm joined today uh, by Justin Wells. He's been on the program before. We've uh, divvied into a, a variety of, uh, of, of shows with him and movies. Uh, Justin, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Um, it seems like whenever we do talk about shows, we, have, we dive into the uh, prestige world of home box office television. Yeah, I mean, but don't, yeah, that is absolutely a fact. Um, but also, you know, we've done uh, Tiger King together and some lowbrow sure. stuff up here as well. But we do, we do touch on prestige television. We're here to do it again. Uh, today, we're talking about White Lotus, the comedy drama series created, written, and directed by Mike White that just finished its uh, six episode uh, first season on HBO. The series features a tremendous cast, which we're going to be talking about including Murray Bartlett, Connie Britton, Jennifer Coolidge, Steve Zahn, uh, who else? Natasha Rockwell, Alexandra Daddario, Jack Lacey. There's more, too. Uh, it focuses on the life, lives of the staff and of the guests at a tropical resort in Hawaii over the course of one week. Uh, it's received acclaim from critics and uh, viewers alike. I dug it. I thought it was really, really interesting, um, fun funny thought provoking too there was a lot of topics that that, that they're a little bit more weighty um than than i thought i was getting into uh any opening thoughts you, i mean obviously you're here with me we talked about it you like the show uh what do you have to say about it yeah i'm excited to, I, I i hope that I'm, I, maybe this is not my place to lay down a ground rule but let's only talk about the show and not the criticism of the show absolutely i actually prefer that i, I don't i always feel too often we get caught up in responding to how um you know, Twitter or just any any critics are responding to it. And and, you know, that's that doesn't really reflect real life or reflect what's going on with the show all the time. So, yeah, um, I'd like to start with the conceit of the show, which I think is really, really cool. I mean, Mike White, he's known for Enlightened, which is which I believe is an underrated show just because, uh, you know, I don't hear too many people talk about it, but they respected his work so much that they went to him and they're like, obviously, this is a the times uh, we're dealing with where we're on set, you got to be more safe. There's, you know, less people's better. Um, and they, they went to him and asked him to do a show that was COVID friendly. Um, and he, uh, you know, he decided to get a small group of people and go to Hawaii for a few days, not a few days, you know, at the time it takes to shoot six, six episodes and, and uh, put together a show. And I just think that's great. I mean, you know, good for him finding, finding a, uh, a way to squeeze in Hawaii, some time in Hawaii with some really talented people, and then squeeze out a really interesting show. So, literally, the show is kind of born of necessity in certain ways. Yeah, it's the whole concept of okay, what's it like when super rich people go on vacation for a week? <laughs> yeah. Let's make it and let's take that and make it slightly more absurd so it's television friendly. 
but it's uh it's really 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 interesting how they're just like okay let's wreck out the four seasons maui for i don't know probably two or three months to shoot this and yep. they got great for, i mean like the thing that you have to understand is they got great performances of everybody in the show everybody you know yeah the script is the scripting in the show is good it's is, is this like there's this tendency i think of people to sit there and try to, to uh in large experience, it's like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen at all times. <laughs> I think that people just need to, like, you know, sometimes, I think that the White Lotus kind of breaks it down a bit because the whole concept is a luxury vacation where every single one of these characters are supposedly having the best moment of their life, but they're really having the worst moment of their life until the very next one. Absolutely. In you know particular, Murray, in particular, Murray Bartlett. <laughs> he's, you know what he's, it's, I know we're going to talk about him a lot as um, his character, Armand, was really felt like the centerpiece of the show for me in a major way. It's really funny. I was reading um, uh, that a lot of the guests at the Maori Four Seasons were kind of put out by some of the production stuff, which makes it, which really, um, you know, kind of, kind of just fits in with the theme of the show. But what, what was kind of about the core of, things to me and the show's about a lot of things which i like i mean you know it's a it's a whodunit and i want to talk about that yeah. a little bit it's a look at kind of human shortcomings and, and imperfections and they do it in a comedic way and a devastating uh kind of dark way at times it's about uh people pri privileged seeking a reprieve from their concerns but that's something i really wanted to get into is like these people are going somewhere to kind of escape their problems and then what they realize is their problems are right there and, and, and they can't escape them in that way. And they were almost exas exacerbated in a lot of different situations uh, for all the characters involved. So, you know, they're looking for some catharsis and then they just find more and more problems or they make problems, especially in the case of uh, Shane played wonderfully by Jake Lacey, who just, you know, he turns, um, I didn't get the right room into like a tragedy. It's a full-blown tragedy. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me because, you know, the one thing that I think people really kind of don't necessarily get about the super rich is that they are just as dumb and selfish as all of us and Absolutely. in many instances, far more so. Actually, I don't think that people don't get that. I think everybody is well aware of that fact yeah. at this point. Yeah. But um, there is, I mean, Jake Lacey in the show, like I think the Shane character absolutely amazing because of the fact that he basically thinks that everybody else is a moron and he uh a bet his bad behavior and bad decisions have you know the 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 most comically tragic results possible um down to the fact like how do you think you'd react if your mother-in-law met you on your honeymoon <laughs> i would I, I would have immediately filed for divorce absolutely <laughs> absolutely i mean it obviously that almost um, affected, uh, what was his wife's name? Um, Rachel. Rachel. She, I mean, she, she saw the direction she went on that. I thought that was a great point you just made. Um, you see so much glorification of the rich in this country. And, you know, a lot of people look at, you know, the, the 1% and these billionaires as, as people who, you know, you know, are different and better or brighter. And that's not always the case. In a lot of cases, they, you know, they they are just as dumb, but maybe more conniving, and like they've 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 done crazier things to get to the top, and more uh, sociopathic in some instances. But uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't even know where to start with the storylines too, because I mean, what what a great job they did weaving all these, uh, the family and and you know uh, just these different characters uh, storylines together. But it began with a whodunit, and um, in the end, it's really such a small aspect of the show. You know, it's to me. I mean, when thinking about everything of of you know, because it starts out and it seems like it looked at kind of this. Uh, honeymoon gone wrong situation and so the whole time you knew it's boiling up to that point but um to me it was kind of like this uh, tongue-in-cheek kind of just like all right you know this is what other programs do to grab people in you know we'll, we'll, we'll kind of Mike White kind of just threw that out there to get get people in but that really wasn't what it was about to me at the end of the day even though it came back in an interesting way what did you think about kind of how it started out with that whodunit um hook I think that it, 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 it's, it, it's right, because it is a gripping thing, but the whole point of what it grips is you're sitting there trying to figure out, okay, whose body's in the, whose body's in the casket, mm -hmm. and then you realize that is totally irrelevant to it. It was. Because um, realistically, the Armand-Shane tete-a-tete is one of like six storylines yeah. that actually matter in the show. Yep. And... To a point, it's the most, I mean, it's the most ridiculous one, but it's also the one that has the least, like, um, the least emotional depth of any of them, sure. right? Because that one's just spoiled brat versus, you know, very ornery and angry uh, hotel GM. Yeah. Like, that's the one that's, like, the least, like, in both of their particular even past on the show, even though, you know, it ends with Armand's, uh, death after getting stabbed and shitting in a fucking suitcase um which i never need to see a man shit on camera like that again, i know a lot ever, of people ever super off put by that but i mean it's it it's, it's a fascinating it's last thing day, I need, yeah it's not a thing i need to see again yeah um but it just comes down to the fact like if you actually look at both of their characters what are the more, what's the more interesting, like, what are the more interesting things that you see them going through? With Armand, it's the, what happens when a man really spirals, yeah. who's, who's an addict, who spirals. That's the more interesting plot line than him, him and Shane just getting one overs on each other. That's actually, it's almost like the him and Shane thing is like the comic, is the comic relief in a comic, in, in a show that's basically all comic relief. I, I could not agree more. That's the way I saw it. Cause I actually, I loved that they kept going further and further with the, the shame thing. And that was just, that was exactly as you're saying, the least profound thing um, that they were exploring in the show to me, but I loved it. It was just, that was, that was so fun. I loved seeing that type of person um, get so worked up and get worked over uh, by Armand time and again. I thought that was awesome. I mentioned um, right off the top that I thought the show was pretty thought provoking in a way I didn't see it. Um, and I think, that boils down to the fact that um, Hawaii's kind of lasting colonial trauma was front and center here, and I, I, I it was, I, and I think that's important. And, I, and and as much as Hawaii was front and center here, and what's happened there, and and you know how how they're being um, you know continually exploited for their resources, for you know just their locale and, and their environment they have to offer. There's a bigger picture thing here too. I mean. This is really looking at the unique dynamics of um, all places that rely on tourism, but where like the economic benefits don't outweigh the hurt it does 
to the people and to the land there. I mean, there's a bigger picture thing that I kept thinking about. Um, I was just thinking about, you know, people of privilege um, traveling anywhere and just kind of how it's- Does this stem back to our car ride? We did, we did, we did talk a lot about it. And you had had a bunch to say, you were talking about Hawaii in general um, and and how it's being affected by, by tourism. I mean, they divert water and resources from people who actually live there just so you can, like, you know, just a tourist can have water, enough water in their hotel room. Like, yeah. Hawaii is, despite the fact that it's gorgeous and beautiful, it's, its economy is decimated by the fact that it's basically been forced into just cash crop growing. Like, um, if you want coffee, you know, Hawaii is a great place to get it. But other things, like, it, you know, they, 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 it's, it's not food self-sustaining. Everything is really expensive there. And the inflated cost of just having to have of, of tourism rather than just allowing people to actually live in a place, um, it destroys the economy. And basically, like, you know, the, the, and this goes kind of like to the Kai character, Mossbacher, and then, the you know, Paula and uh, I forgot the other girl's name at the moment. You know, but th- that, that particular relationship. Oh, Olivia. 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 Paula yeah. and Olivia. Like, that particular storyline is, I think, to me, the one that, like, speaks to uh, some of the like the profound inequity that the show does try to point out. Yep. It doesn't like, I, I would say that I don't think the show maybe did the best job sometimes that calling that out. I think it was a little too ham-fisted. Like the, you should drop it. Paula kind of takes it upon herself to say, I can rectify all these situations. But yeah. in reality, we all know that individual solutions to societal issues will never, will never allow for anything to work. Yep. But um, I, you know, it, it's funny to me to see that where you have uh, that character also reading uh Fanon on the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, um, it's fascinating. I, I think they were making points by the books they were reading, which was really, really cool to see. I mean, those um, those two girls, uh, Olivia and Paula, they they were really, really something. I mean, what's it's it was almost like a horror film looking at them sometimes. Yeah. And what's more terrifying than you know uh, the judging eyes of teenagers and like the scowl and and all that? That was they 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 were terrifying. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, too, is that it, it, they're morons, both yeah. of them. Yeah, they're, they're, like, they're, they're still children learning, learning yeah. you know, what, what, what the realities of life are. Yeah, and it's one of those things where basically you can read whatever you want, but if you don't actually understand the context of what you're reading, yeah. it's going to be lost on you. Definitely. And I feel like that was, I don't know if that was the intent or point of those two characters, mm-hmm. but that's certainly what I read. Yeah, I, no, I mean, I've seen... Uh, a lot of the most, um, you know, uh, poignant, you know, just some of the most interesting books about that are saying, uh, I guess, uh, you know, I'm thinking 1984. I've seen it so many times recently used in the wrong ways and just like used by, you know, right wing media, right wing people to, to talk about Big Brother when when they're actually not actually getting the point of what's going on. And I think a lot of that was at play play here. Um, I was oh, 1980, 1984 should be, at this point, my opinion, just banned for any sort of consumption. <laughs> it's, it's just it's just misinterpreted and and it's, and and used it wielded in in really uh, malicious ways and and because people don't get it. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of what you know the two of them. If you like again, like the books that they were reading, they didn't actually get yeah. and understand them. Definitely. Like it, I mean, going to the, like the entire robbery storyline, yeah. right? Um. Because which which I find actually to be really kind of fu- really funny because of the fact that it um, knits together 
three three disparate threads, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Steve's Steve's on lack of validation from his wife, and their and their relationship that is very fucked up, and you do learn that there is an underlying love between the two of them. Yeah. Um, the Paula and Olivia relationship, and then Paula's desire to be like, I can, I can, I can make the good in the world by basically uh, reinterpreting this. But all she ends up doing is getting someone thrown in jail. Yep. And ends up reconciling with her friend who she's actively trying to fuck over. <laughs> over and over. It sounds like there's a long history of fucking over there. That's um. Yeah. You lead me right to something I I, I want to talk about because initially when I saw the and uh you know the, the the sixth episode at the end i was a little bit uh not taken back but it just took me a minute to digest it because it felt on its surface it felt like a happy ending and i didn't know that this show uh you know deserved or or this storyline it was appropriate to have so this sort of happy ending that that you know again i want to say on the surface that that i felt initially and it just took me a little bit of time thinking about it to realize this is not so happy ending uh, that that I initially thought it was. I mean, think about it. I mean, of course, Shane and Rachel came together at the end, but you know, their marriage will always be fraught. They, she succumbed to a to a life of, you know, being a trophy wife, and and just I mean, we saw her deal with like, you know, uh, figuring it out and and seeing if there was a way out of this and realizing you know, this is this is the life I you know, have to live to live in this privilege and deal with it. Um, you know, uh, Quinn's gonna end up back with his family. I know he had kind of the vacation experience that everyone dreams of with the, the with with the um with the canoeing and the whole thing like that. But I mean Paula and Paula will always deal with the trauma of ruining someone's life. The hotel will always have this murder stain on it. I mean the uh, you know, the relationship between, um, you know, Mark and Nicole, like we saw what, what, what they're going to be dealing with forever. Um, you know, and even just, I mean, the Belinda storyline was tragic with, uh, Nicole was using her money. Nicole played just so wonderfully by Jennifer Coolidge. Um, you know, the absolute fucking goat. She's so great. Um, she does one funny. thing. I mean, she, she does she, it she so well. Mentioned, she even mentioned how she, understands how she uses her money to gain companionship and how she was using Belinda the whole time. It was, I mean, at the end of the day, if you kind of think where these people go once they uh, leave the island and even where the island is left, it's, you know, there's some happiness that, that you know, they showed with the canoeing at the end of the whole thing. But there's, it's, there's a lot of trauma that's going to continue in these people's lives moving forward for a long, long time. As it should. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't go on vacation to solve your problems. No. You go on vacation to rest. Yes. None of exactly. these people rested. They also, it kind of gets to the point where people don't also sometimes understand the point of vacation. I think was a huge, was a huge point in this show. But yeah, um, yeah I, true. I, I do want, I, Good point. I, I do want to say one, wait, wait, one point about like the shame racial relationship and the reconciliation at the end. Um, and, and it goes into and it goes into Belinda, who just got sick of it when Rachel was talking to us, like, fuck you, basically yeah. was her response to yep. that at the end. I'm not going to solve your problems. That's your job, not mine. Yep. Um, she was right. And it's the only true moment of profundity and character growth in the show. <laughs> I, I shouldn't say profundity. It's the only moment of character growth in the show is when Belinda realizes that, yeah, there's no, none of these people can actually do anything for me. They don't see me as 
a peer or an equal. They see me as the staff and they always will see me as the yep. staff. Yep. But um, I think one of the things that's really, really, really twisted is Shane's reaction to killing a person mm-hmm. versus his reaction to his wife reconciling. Yeah. It almost seems like when they, like, he doesn't, and I mean, I don't think there's a way to probe this with depth, depth considering when and how it happens in the arc of the show. Um, he doesn't seem to give a shit that he killed a person. I know. I know. They didn't explore On the other that. Hand, if if, if yeah. not, they didn't explore it, but he, he definitely didn't. Yeah. He sees it as an act of self-defense and, uh, you know, to him, I think that, you know, he has the only relief he experiences in the show is the second that Rachel comes back to him and they have their unspoken crack of, yeah, you don't have to work or do anything. Just look good and be on my arm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is part of the tragedy I was speaking to, too. Mike White said it um, in an interview I read. I think it was a Vulture interview, but he said, um, you know, most of my original conceit for the show came out of the storyline a woman who realizes what she's real, you know, what she is married to and what she's giving up. And that's, that's tragic as you know, when they were coming together and and hugging, I did not feel good. That, I mean, that was kind of dark to me. She was, she was giving up a whole uh, piece of her life for just something that, that clearly didn't look worth it to me. That was tragic. Oh, I actively, I actively felt like shit about it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It actively, like, really annoyed the hell out of me because that, to me, was the, okay, this is where this is going to end. Like, you're, the entire show is setting you up to root for her to leave him. Yeah. Right? Oh, absolutely. In that particular storyline. And yeah. when she doesn't, you're just, you're very disappointed about that fact because Definitely. it's, uh... Yeah. It's, no, it... it, 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 it the character, the character, neither of those characters grow. No, 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 no. It actually, it, it, the opposite, the opposite occurred. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, I, I know we don't want to uh, dwell on Armand's last stand too much with what he did with the suitcase, but I thought, I thought that was interesting because they did give him kind of, um, uh, he did kind of go out in a blaze of glory in some ways. He had, the, you know, it, it was fun to watch him have that perfect last service because, you know, yeah. he, he was someone who, uh, you know, that was his life, you know, uh, uh, serving people. And, and he was able to have that big moment. But then he was also able to have kind of this final act of revenge to these privileged people he dealt with all the time. And, and you know, it, it's it's obviously, you know, I'm sure he didn't want it to end that way, but it was, it, and I didn't, I didn't really, I loved his character so much. I thought um, Mary Bartlett was so amazing in that role that, uh, I was hoping, as and they did uh, midway through the the uh, uh, the season, they decided to do a second run. It was so heralded, and, and HBO kind of, you know, obviously talked to Mike White and did a second run. I was thinking that he would be the perfect person to kind of be the thread moving forward, being, you know, him and his staff, and they bring in other people. Uh, there was not to be because of his his big final last stand. What do you think of that? That that his the way he went out. Okay, so I think that there's one. I, I think they shadowed. I think they shadowed, foreshadowed this. But basically, there's I think one way to describe how his character actually progresses. Because I do actually think that like, and I'm gonna make another point on this in a second. Please, please. Um, his character literally and figuratively eats ass the entire time. <laughs> but I think one of the things that I think that Mike White got right with this is 
these characters, you know, you're seeing a week in the life of a person or a character. How much personal growth does anybody experience in a week? Most of the time, very, very little. Personal growth takes a lot longer. I'm nearly 40 years old and I am still a child. Taking a long time <laughs> for me to grow as a person. You're definitely not going to get people who are, you know, rich and without introspection to grow. And, and they make fun of this with uh, the Mark, with Mark, with the character of Mark. Like, yeah. This tip, he, you know, it's Steve Zahn does a great job of playing Steve Zahn, but also just the Mark character finding out that his, you know, his father's uh, death wasn't from cancer. It was, you know, from, from AIDS gotten because, you know, he was uh, leading a double life. Yep. And he, he tried, you know, trying radical honesty for a few days, like actually just really kind of fucks up his life, yep. fucks up his family's life. And only gets to be resolved by not an act of him being a better person, but by him tackling it, by, by him tackling a guy set to rob him by one of the people that he has brought on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no, like it, it, it makes, I think to a point it makes fun of how people need to have these moments of catharsis to be like, Oh, you need to hit rock bottom in order to actually grow. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah. You don't. That's, 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 that's a, it's a dumb sunk cost fallacy on personal growth. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm here for it comedically in this particular context, but I really also am fearful of people actually thinking that's a way that the world should exist. <laughs> no, 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 no doubt. Steve Zahn was so great. And it was, it was fun. I love that you just used the term radical honesty. It was fun to see him kind of um, uh, uh, flip the script and want to open up to his son. Cause he was never opened up to, and just him, him, you know, he at the dinner table, he was, uh, it's not that they weren't aware of, you know, their place and, and, and kind of, um, and I think that's important that, that they weren't naive to kind of, you know, uh, some of these bigger problems we're talking about with what it means, um, their place in privilege. And I think Steve Zahn's character did a lot, did one of the only, one of the only people of all these people who was able to kind of see that that was the case, but he was kind of like, what do you, what do you want me to do? at the end of the day, which, which is interesting. The cast is so important in a show like this. Um, Mike White has always wanted to feature Jennifer Coolidge in, in, a, in a major role, and, and he definitely did. She was just so great. I mean, I just, it, I thought, in, and we're gonna see a season two, which is really great. And the cast of people they pull together for that is probably gonna be stunning. I think he's gonna have his choice of anyone, but the cast was, was, was crucial in this. Coolidge was amazing. Uh, Connie Britton was so good. I mean, most of the time she was just kind of playing this low key role, but when, you know, when she had to have that big breakdown moment part, um, you know, leading to leaving the boat and just all she was dealing with, she was incredible. I've talked about Murray Bartlett already. Um, there's the, the Quainum was great. The son, um, he's played by Fred, uh, I think it's Hetchinger. Um, he's been in a bunch of stuff now, eighth grade news yeah. of the world, the fair street trilogy, which is on Netflix. I mean, uh, Jake Lacey, we've already mentioned um, his wife Rachel Alexander Dodger. I mean, they, the 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 girls, um, they're just an awesome cast, and 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 they they brought it home for me. I mean, the writing was great. Don't get me wrong, and it's interesting too. And I'm kind of bouncing across uh, uh, to multiple topics right now, and I apologize for that. But uh, I just do want to point out that the writing uh, room was one person. This is this is very rare. This was Mike White's show. He did not have any help writing him. And it's a better for worse, better or for worse situation because a lot of times in, in a writing room and you're writing with someone else or have a team or have even people look at what you've done, you get notes. 
and you get help. And he did not get any notes. This is him out on the paper. This is what he conceived. Um, And I think in this case it worked, but I can see how that could blow up in your face if you're given that much uh, power to write the whole thing. But yeah, so I just touched on two topics. What do you think of the cast? I mean, I think the cast, I think the cast is fantastic. There is one thing that I do fear from a second season and it kind of runs into the fact that also one of the characters in the show was also, you know, in the show where I had this fear from the second season. Alexis Dario famously kind of comes to everybody's head from the first season of True Detective. Yeah. Yeah. They better not fucking True Detective. (laughs) I hated season two of True Detective. But it was awful. And if they, you know, season one of True Detective is something I'm going to give a re, something I'll eventually give a rewatch once I can get over, like, you know, my fear of the Yellow King of Carcosa again. Um, Sometimes you, sometimes people think uh, it's going to be one of those things where I'm I'm going to be skeptical of the second season of it because I I sometimes think, you know, you can't necessarily go back. You're never going to, it's going to become harder to elicit the same thing and the same feelings. And like, um, sometimes, you know, certain things should only just live for six episodes. And there was no stake uh, at all coming in. You know what I mean? Like there was no expectations at all when people got this. I was actually really surprised to see so many and and delighted to see so many people, um, you know, enjoying this and and attracting this. I think, you know, there's a lot of things that lend to it. I mean, you think of the time of year. I mean, August is usually like a dull spot in, in television and film and movies, especially right now. And this is something that came into that spot and filled, filled the void and delighted people. I was, I was, I was, I was so excited to see people enjoying this, but um, you know, there are expectations that will be there when a season, uh, second season begins. Yeah. And it's almost invariably going to be disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. True. I shouldn't yeah. rejudge Hopefully things like could... that. I should, I, I should approach him with an open <laughs> no, mind. We should. I was, like, I was just going to say, yeah. we, but at the same should... time, I just, yeah. I mean, anything with, when it comes to television films, I think, uh, uh, finding ways to put your expectations aside and, and just opening up to is, is, is super crucial. It's the way it's the best way to enjoy things. But I, I said it earlier, but I really, I thought as we were moving through Armand would have just been a great, uh, uh, you know, a piece to hold on to for a second season coming around. And I am curious if they, if they do use the same hotel, if they, you know, the, the staff's here, maybe Belinda's a part of it, or if they just do a whole new thing. I'm really curious how they approach it. Um, but you're right. I mean, there are going to be ex- expectations now. You know what? It, it's it's it, not just expectations, excitement. I, I am looking forward to see what they do. I think it's going to be challenging to live up to this or create something that parallels this in, 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 in an interesting way. But we'll see, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I can't wait either. I think it's going to be kind of fun. Um, I, I do want to realize to talking about um, Jennifer Coolidge's character now yeah. for a bit because Please. Um, I, I think she's. I mean, look, she she's just she steals every single thing she's ever been in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and like I was saying, I don't. Her character obviously doesn't grow, right? Her character is an emotionally damaged drunk who admits as much during the show. Um, is probably in a weird way, not a weird way, in, in, a, in a very, very, like, is probably the most open to her flaws of any character on the show. Yeah. Um, it's probably being like her and uh, the Steve Zahn character. And uh, I, I will say, like, you know, it's the fact that they're aware of how, both of them are aware of how their own status in life allows them to manipulate uh, people without without any sort of real recourse. Um, Jennifer Coolidge's character doing that to, you know, Natasha Rothwell, like the, the Belinda character is 
you can just see that the Belinda character is getting herself set up for failure and disappointment. And it's heartbreaking and crushing. Because the second you see that um, the the, the Mike character from, you know, BLM, if you want to call it Black Lives Matter, or the Bureau of Land Management, (laughs) which was, I think, one of the better plays on words and jokes you could possibly have. Um, I thought that, like, you know, the second that she's on to a new shine, to a new thing, she kicks Belinda to the curb and it's, it's heartbreaking, but you can also, but you also just see that, like, that's how this character operates. And yeah. she admits it to Belinda at the end. She admits yeah. it. She's like, she admits this, it. This is who I am. I didn't realize. This is who I am. I didn't realize she realized it in that sort of way. I mean, she, she, she understood that she uses people as this kind of commodity that comes, comes and goes, and, and, and it, that made it all heartbreaking. I mean, Belinda did have a wall up against this type of stuff. It was her son talked her into like, you should see this through mom. You know, you could give, give this yeah. one, give this a chance. And you knew at that moment you were being set up for something, um, you know, that would be hurtful. And I didn't realize how much it would hurt because, you know, um, uh, uh, Natasha Rockwell does such a great job of kind of, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, she, even not in her words and just her mannerisms, just, getting excited and getting worked up for for this future that was never ever going to happen and it, and it definitely hurt to to, to take yeah. in yeah you want to feel old for a second uh sure the mike the mike character was uncle rico and napoleon dynamite <laughs> oh no way yes oh my gosh wow yeah. wow wow yeah i didn't <laughs> that's a great great pull i didn't realize that at all now i'm seeing it Yep. Damn. Yep. Yeah. That's I crazy. mean, I love when she was stalking him. By the way, <laughs> when she was like in the pool stalking him, to, the, like the comedy in the show was so weird. Not so I was. Uh, it was. I was kind of confused how much people were liking and, and delighted, as I said earlier, because it's such a unique, weird bird. You know. I mean, the Mike character is the only one who actually. Ha- Mike and Quinn are the only Quinn are the only ones who actually have fun on vacation. Yeah, <laughs> Quinn has the dream vacation. He has the the experience everyone, you know, hopes to have, where you kind of get in with the locals and have this like, you know, game changing uh, uh, thing. And I was surprised to see, you know, and I'm sure he did it for effect. Him having Quinn in the canoe at the end there, because like, think about it. Any parent with a child that age when. You know, the minute you realize your son's not on that plane, you're turning around and you're grabbing that kid. You know, it's not it's it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the, probably one of the hallmark uh, movies of both of our childhoods involves uh, a parent realizing that they left the child at home. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> no home home alone vibes right there as a, as a board in the plane. But I love this series. Uh, oh, before we close out, the music, the the apps, it was a. Uh, Cristobal Tapio de Verde, um, uh, just like the percussion soundtrack going on, the whole thing, it really heightened the tension throughout. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm never going to a fucking, I mean, I'm probably never going to go to Hawaii again unless, like, there's some way to actually do it ethically. And my wife is fundamentally opposed to it, which is the only person I would actually consider a trip to Hawaii with. Yeah. So um, I'll never go to a luau, but the one thing I will say is, fuck, I'm never going to a luau. Yeah. No, I have one. I have, I have another question though. Please. Are, are, are you going to edit in the? Uh, oh, we're going to have the under, sounds under all around, all around. Okay, good. I kind of, I kind of want that to be the soundtrack. And also, <laughs> the, the, the theme song has been like stuck sw- in my head in both. We're swimming in it right now, man. We're swimming in it. I, I during the like the second to last episode, I skipped the sound, I skipped the theme, like the theme 
when my wife and I were watching and she was like not happy with me at that exact oh. moment beforehand, but she really needed that time to make a point. And uh, yeah, Mike White apparently has a thing from wallpaper too. I, I saw him talk about that because the wallpaper was part of the theme. Now the so music was a big good. deal for me. It really, really added to the tension. But what you're just saying about Hawaii is like something I am, um, you know, walking away from this and just, you know, my politics and a lot of things I think about, I think I'm going to be thinking a lot more about vacation and, and what it means. I mean, cause I mean, you're looking at vacation in this instance and a lot of it um, that Americans do is kind of like this mini version of uh, colonialism, you know, it's, and, and just yeah. taking, they're just there taking. And I've always thought about it. I guess I've justified it is the word is that, you, you know, you're boosting these economies, but we're actually seeing that the money going in is not equal to what the, there's a lot more taken than giving. And it's just, it's going to make me think about the way I traverse the the, the planet for the rest of my life. And, and just, yeah, I, I think it, it wasn't the point of the show without a doubt, but it was definitely, I, I think it was draw, it drew attention to something that, that needs attention too. Yeah. And if you go to the four seasons in Maui, um, what you're doing is you're putting money in and probably 75% of that money is going back to a, you know, a company in Canada. Right? Yeah. It's not going yeah. to, the, it's not going to people who actually live there. Um, and it's just, I mean, it, it's saddening. And just, like I, I, one of the things that I have trouble with as a, as a person is I, I'm not, you know, you know me pretty well. I'm not a person who idle particularly well yeah. sitting on a beach for a week. Um, <laughs> and particularly now you also know my feelings on beaches and sand. Um, <laughs> disgusted by both, but uh, <laughs> it's not a thing I do well. Right. I think the, I think the last time I did a, like a week of a beach, vac beach vacation was my honeymoon where we were in, like we went to Portugal. And then I got, you know, I was so bored and annoyed. We had a rental car that like I was just like, can we drive places and go see things? Because to me, I'd rather experience just doing things that actually people do. I would rather go on a vacation to a city and drink with a bunch of people who live there to because I feel like that you, you're learning. You learn far more about a place and a culture no and a culture by doing that than like, I don't know going to fucking luau yeah no absolutely which is a, like kind of like a fake version of the culture that's being you know exploited anyways <laughs> you know? i mean there is one part of a luau that i do think though that every everybody should embrace tell me pigs roasting over a spit are fantastic <laughs> but then again again every single culture has some form of barbecue and barbecue is great yeah. um well i hope to see uh jennifer coolidge more i hope she's uh used and and you know i love the way that mike white employed her and the lines he gave her and i hope to see more of that i want to see a whole lot of uh more of murray bartlett i just loved armand and i think i think this could be you know he was great and looking and 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 he's a great actor but i just hope this means we see a lot more screen time from him great to spend some more time with steve zahn and you know, just the, these characters and, and this whole thing. You got anything else to close out? I, I think we covered a whole lot here and, 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 and it's just a fascinating show. Fun to talk about. Yeah, I would say um, I, I could I could definitely use less um, seeing men shitting in suitcases <laughs> and eating ass on TV. Um, the eating ass part, I, you know, I don't want to see men or women do that on TV. It okay. may be, you know, I'm not trying to king shame anybody, but like that's that's not that's not my kink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone, anyone do yeah. do do what gets you off. That's that's all. I, that's all. Yeah. I feel. Um, 
cool man that was it was a really cool show i'm really excited and um like like i think we both said kind of nervous to see what happens oh yeah season i two. mean i'm i'm gonna watch it but like I, yeah. i'm, I'm I definitely skeptical that this is gonna carry over well a second time it's, it's like yeah. sometimes you can never go you can never go home again i know i know but i won't doubt mike wyden he did something really really interesting here and so Justin, I really appreciate you jumping on and joining joining this uh, party once again. I appreciate your time, man. I enjoy being welcome to the party, pal. All right, and uh, thank you all again. We're gonna uh, gonna bring up the music here, the percussive uh, uh, White Lotus beats as, as, as we as we get out of here. But thank you, everyone out there, for joining the party once again. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.